help of a book called The Valley of Vision. It's a collection of Puritan prayers and devotions. O glorious and holy God, in prayer I launch far out into the eternal world, and on that broad ocean my soul triumphs over all evils on the shores of mortality. Time, with its frivolous amusements and cruel disappointments, never appears so inconsiderate as then. In prayer I see myself as nothing. I find my heart going after thee with intensity and long with vehement thirst to live to thee. Blessed be the strong gales of the Spirit that speeds me on my way to the new Jerusalem. In prayer, all things here below vanish, and nothing seems important but holiness of heart, but holiness of heart in the salvation of others. In prayer, all my worldly cares, fears, anxieties disappear and are of as little significance as a puff of wind. In prayer, my soul inwardly exults with lively thoughts at what thou art doing for thy church. And I long that thou shouldest get thyself a great name from sinners returning to Zion. In prayer I am lifted above the frowns and flatteries of life and taste heavenly joys, entering into the eternal world. I can give myself to thee with all my heart, with all my heart, to be thine forever. In prayer I can place all my concerns in thy hands, to be entirely at thy disposal having no will or interests of my own. In prayer, I can intercede for my friends, ministers, sinners, the church, thy kingdom to come, with greatest freedom, ardent hopes, as a son to his father, as a lover to the beloved. Help me to be all prayer and never to cease praying. In Jesus' name, amen. Our heart's desire at Calvary Baptist Church is to be a praying church. Amen? We've been blessed these past few months to learn about prayer through our gifted and godly teachers. And last week, we finished our first book. We finished the first book with respect to this endeavor about being a prayer, praying church. And the book was called The Remarkable Prayers of the Bible by Jim George. And this morning, we start teaching with the help of our second book called Alone with God. Alone with God, Rediscovering the Power and Passion of Prayer by John MacArthur. This book is divided into three main parts. Part one is called The Attitude of Prayer. The Attitude of Prayer. And we begin this part today with chapter one titled, A Heart Set on God. And next week continues part one with chapter two, Seeking the Lord in Secret, taught by Steve Camo. Part two of our book, is really the main part of the book. It's a major focus. This is the pattern of prayer, exemplified by what we often call the Lord's Prayer. The third section of the book is called Prayer in Action. And here we will learn about praying for things like per personal sanctification and praying for salvation of lost people. Today's lesson is for the edification of saved people. True believers. True believers have been saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. By God's grace, the elect of God have embraced the gospel of God to be saved from the penalty of God. By trusting commitment, by trusting commitment, true saving faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, genuine believers have received the forever forgiveness of their sins. 
The Holy Spirit used the power of the gospel to create new hearts in God's elect, causing them to willingly believe in the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The regenerated heart is a heart that is set on God. The regenerated heart is a heart that is set on God. A distinguishing mark of a true Christian is a heart that is set on our triune God. Our God is a trinity. This is exemplified by a prayerful attitude of gratitude. A prayerful attitude of gratitude. In the introduction to his book, John MacArthur writes this, You may view prayer with the utmost respect, yet you find your own practice lacks purpose and vitality, so you don't spend time with God like you know you should. While there are many reasons Christians struggle to pray, I believe there is one overriding factor. And then he's going to quote Martin Lloyd-Jones, who had a great influence on John MacArthur. And Lloyd-Jones, the doctor, he writes, It is the highest activity of the human soul, therefore it is at the same time the ultimate test of a man's true spiritual condition. There is nothing that tells the truth about us as Christian people so much as our prayer life. Ultimately, therefore, a man discovers the real condition of his spiritual life when he examines himself in private. When he is alone with God. When he is alone with God. MacArthur then comments, Alone with God. Such an opportunity should be the Christian's one great desire. Is that your heart's desire? My teaching goal today is to fan the flame of this desire in your hearts. This falls within MacArthur's stated purpose for his book on prayer. Again, alone with God, rediscovering the power and passion of prayer. He writes this, It is my prayer for you that when you have completed your journey through this book, you'll discover the power and the passion that time spent alone with God can bring. I also hope you'll understand that prayer is not an attempt to get God to agree with you or provide for your selfish desires, but that it is both an affirmation of His sovereignty, righteousness, and majesty, and an exercise to conform your desires and purposes to His will and glory. For real Christians, genuine Christians, prayer is like breathing. The physical atmosphere puts pressure on our lungs and causes us to breathe. Likewise, the spiritual atmosphere of God's presence puts pressure on us to breathe the refreshing air of prayer. God's providence puts pressure on our hearts to pray. Do you sometimes hold your spiritual breath for long periods by not praying? This sin of not praying as a way of life suffocates our spiritual growth, our progressive sanctification. By God's grace, we must repent of the sin of little praying. May the love of Christ compel us to faithfully apply what we've been learning about prayer here during the Sunday school lessons during the past, past few months. And I have a challenge for the men here, includes myself. Men of God, rise up and come to the men's prayer meeting this Wednesday night. A Christian is a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, God the Son, the second person of the Holy Trinity. We grow spiritually in conformity to Christ as we follow Christ's example of prayer. And one aspect of this is the frequency of prayer. The frequency of prayer. Dan Piccatoli taught us last week that Jesus was in the habit of praying. 
The Holy One honored His Father with His holy habit of praying. Jesus' heart was set on God the Father. Mark chapter 1, verse 35 says, Now in the morning, having risen long while before daylight, He went out and departed to a solitary place, and there He prayed. Do you ever get up very early to pray? Let's follow our Master's discipline example. It takes discipline. May God give us the strengthening grace to shake off the chains of sleep, to rise up. Rise up, O church of God. Rise up to seek God early, early and earnestly. In Psalm chapter 63, verse 1, David writes this, God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. And other translations uh, translate the word earnestly, the word earnestly, for the literal word early. And this shows David's passionate desire to be in God's presence. His passionate desire to be with God. By God's grace, this should be our attitude. We wake up to worship God by praying to God. On Sunday mornings, this is followed by coming here to behold the beauty of God. With the eyes of faith, our heart's desire is to see our Savior in this sanctuary, especially through the preaching of the Word of God. We are passionate to perceive the power of Almighty God here on Sunday morning and, I thank God, early afternoon. The next verse in Psalm chapter 63, Psalm chapter 63, verse 2, says this, So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Verse 3 says, Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. Verse 4, Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. Verse 5, My soul shall be satisfied with marrow and fatness. Marrow and fatness means the richest of food as recorded in other Bible translations. Verse 5 continues, And my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. Our prayer is moved from the morning into the night. Look at verse 6. It says, When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. Yes, this is a way of life. It is so pleasing and satisfying to express this attitude of gratitude to our God. We prayerfully express our joy in Jesus. We have repeatedly and appropriately been taught about praying without ceasing. Praying without ceasing as an attitude of prayer throughout the day. The time of prayer is what? It is all the time. In the Bible, we see people praying three times a day, in the evening, before meals, after meals, at the ninth hour at 3 p.m., at bedtime, at midnight, day and night, often, when they are young, when they are old, all day long, always, and when they are in trouble. Yes, especially when we suffer, we should seek God's strength. In Psalm chapter 63, the context, David was hiding in a literal desert from one of his enemies. We have also learned about the posture the circumstances in the place of prayer. The posture of prayer. To pray at all times requires praying in various positions you find yourself in during the day. In the Bible, people prayed while standing, lifting up their hands, as we just read in Psalm 63, sitting, kneeling, looking forward, bowing down, placing their heads between their knees, beating their chest, and facing the temple. Of course, we should not pray in some of these positions while we are driving our cars. Please keep your eyes open when you pray while driving your car or riding your motorcycle. 
Saw one of those out there this morning. Also, please keep your hands on the steering wheel. However, I have and enjoy sometimes uh, exuberantly raise my left hand outside the window. And also, you can raise both of your hands off the steering wheel when you are safely stopped at a red light. <laughs> and this example shows us that prayer can be very inf informal and even adventurous. If you're an introvert and you stick your hand out the window, you feel like you're you know, getting a little extra extroverted there. And this point drives us to the circumstances for prayer. The circumstances for prayer. The Bible documents people praying in different circumstances. They prayed while wearing sackcloth, sitting in ashes, crying tears, throwing dust on their heads, uh, tearing their garments, fasting, sighing, groaning, crying out loud, sweating blood, sweating blood. Our precious Lord Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And yes, you can pray right in the middle of teaching. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Agonizing with broken hearts, making a vow, making sacrifices, and singing songs. Yes, while in prison. This circumstance of praying with singing incorporates a time as well as a place. According to Acts chapter 16, verse 25, But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. This points us to the place of prayer. The place of prayer. The Word of God portrays people praying in plenty of places. In, a ba in battle, in a cave, in a closet, in a garden. Again, our beautiful Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane. Thank you, Jesus. On a mountainside, by a river, by the sea, in the street, in the temple, in bed, as I mentioned, in a home, in the stomach of a fish. Not recommended unless absolutely necessary. On a housetop, as aforementioned, in a prison, in the wilderness, and on a cross. You think of the thief on the cross, and I especially think of God the Son on the cross. Our dear Redeemer making a propitiation, that is a substitutionary, satisfactory sacrifice. Atonement accomplished on Calvary's cross for His elect people. The Apostle Paul instructs his young protege in the faith, young Pastor Timothy of the church in Ephesus, about how to conduct himself in the church of God, the house of God, the church of the living God, the pillaring ground, the foundation, the mainstay of the truth. The God-breathed Scripture speaks to us in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. I desire, therefore, that the men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without doubting. And this verse shows the place of prayer as everywhere. This verse also includes one of the postures of prayer, lifting up holy hands. And this verse also addresses the attitude of prayer as without wrath and doubting. Pray with faith. Pray with faith, unwavering faith. MacArthur writes this, quote, Prayer is fitting at any time, in any posture, in any place, under any circumstance, and in any attire. It is to be a total way of life, an open and continual communion with God. Simply put, prayer is communication with God. Consider the connection between communication with God and communion with God. Consider the connection between communication with God and communion with God. More time in communication cultivates your communion with God. Ponder this. Praying to God and being pleased with the presence of God. Praying to God and being pleased with the presence of God.
Fathom this. Following God in prayerful journeys and fellowshipping with God along the way. Think about this. How your frequency of prayer fosters your fellowship with God. Some of these considerations are answered in this quote by prayer warrior E.M. Bounds from his classic book, Purpose in Prayer. Quote, intimacy requires development. We can never know God as it is our privilege to know Him by brief and fragmentary and unconsidered repetitions of intercessions that are requests for personal favors and nothing more. That is not the way in which we can come into communication with Heaven's King. The goal of prayer is the ear of God. A goal that can only be reached by patient and continued and continuous waiting upon Him. Pouring out our heart to Him. Pouring out our heart to Him. Balance continues. Only by doing so can we expect to know Him. And as we come to know Him better, we shall spend more time in His presence and find that presence a constant and ever-increasing delight. David writes this in Psalm chapter 27, verse 4, Psalm 27, 4. One thing, one thing I've desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in His temple, to behold His beauty. To behold His beauty is to delight yourself in the delightfulness of God, our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. David also writes this in Psalm chapter 16, verse 11. Psalm chapter 16, verse 11. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I want to shift gears and ask you another question. Do you sometimes feel desperate and discouraged because of your trials and tribulations? I do. What is the answer? Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I beseech you, run to your loving God. He is your refuge and strength in time of trouble. Run to your compassionate and merciful God. He will help you. Jesus will sustain you. Let your desperation motivate your devotion to prayer. Let your desperation motivate your devotion to prayer. Let your pressure provoke you to prayer. Let, let that pressure provoke you to prayer. Let your problems promote that persistence in prayer. Persistence in prayer is so important. Let your pain produce perseverance in your pray, praying. Let your pain produce perseverance in your praying. Set your heart on God and be blessed with the peace of God. Paul is experiencing the joy of Jesus while he's in jail. He writes this in Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. In the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds 
through Christ Jesus. We express a rejoicing attitude in prayer, a thankful attitude in prayer. Because, why do we do that? Because we are so richly, so immeasurably blessed. We pray without ceasing. Why? We pray without ceasing because we never cease being dependent on God for everything. Rejoicing and being thankful for everything are appropriate attitudes for our praying. Again, attitudes, the first two chapters, and a heart set on God is the focus today. And there are some additional attitudes discussed in this chapter on prayer. Fervency in prayer, alertness in prayer, and perseverance in prayer. Fervency, alertness, perseverance, and these attitudes are interconnected. I strongly believe in fervency in prayer, zeal in prayer. Not just any zeal, but zeal informed by Scripture and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Holy zeal, holy zeal with the knowledge of the Bible. For example, in James chapter 5, verse 16, James 5, 16 inflames fervency. It fires our fervency. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. MacArthur writes this in the study Bible. Note on that verse, quote, mutual honesty, openness, and sharing of needs will enable believers to uphold each other in the spiritual struggle. The energetic, passionate prayers of godly men have the power to accomplish much. I pieced together some various sentences from E.M. Bounds, and he writes this, holy men, have in the past changed the whole force of affairs, revolutionized character and country by prayer. And such achievements are still possible to us. Yes, possible to us here at Calvary Baptist Church. The power is only wanting to be used. Prayer is but the expression of faith. Prayer honors God and dishonors self. It is man's plea of weakness, ignorance, want. Prayer works mightily. Prayer itself is the greatest work. It springs activity, stimulates desires and effort. The prayer closet is the battlefield for the church. It's citadel. The energy for work, mastery over self, the deliverance from fear, all spiritual results and graces are much advanced by prayer. The difference, the difference between the strength, the holiness of Christians is found in the contrast in their praying. Few, short, feeble prayers always betoken a low spiritual condition. Men ought to pray much and apply themselves to it with energy and perseverance. Eminent Christians have always been eminent in prayer. Deep things of God are learned in prayer. Great things for God are done by great prayers. He who prays much, loves much, works much, does much for God in humanity. The execution of the gospel, the vigor of faith, the maturity and excellence of spiritual graces wait on prayer. It is only when the whole heart, the whole heart is gripped with the passion of prayer that the life-given fire descends. For none but the earnest man gets access to the ear of God. I'm going to continue preaching to us by reading some more quotes from Ian e. Bounds' classic book, purpose in prayer and I said, said before this is one of those books that will motivate you to pray I promise you that 
And that's one thing we need, motivation to implement all these things that we've been learning. Because we get lazy, and we need God to help us. The first lessons of importunity are taught in the Sermon on the Mount. Ask, and it shall be given. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened. These are steps of advance. For everyone that asketh, receiveth, and he that seeketh, findeth, and to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Without continuance, the prayer may go unanswered. Importunity. That's begging and pleading God, reverently speaking. Importunity is made up of the ability to hold on, to press on, to wait with unrelaxed and unrelaxable grasp, restless desire, and restful patience. Importunate prayer, importunate prayer is not an incident, but the main thing, not a performance, but a passion, not a need, but a necessity. Prayer in its highest form and grandest success assumes the attitude of a wrestler with God. It is the contest, trial, and victory of faith, a victory not secured from an enemy, but from him who tries our faith, that he may enlarge it, that tests our strength to make us stronger. Few things give such quickened and permanent vigor to the soul as a long, exhaustive season of importunate prayer. It makes an experience, an epoch, a new calendar for the spirit, a new life to religion, a soldierly training. The Bible never wearies in its pressure an illustration of the fact that the highest spiritual good is secured as the return of the outgoing of the highest form of spiritual effort. There is neither encouragement nor room in the Bible religion for feeble desires, listless efforts, lazy attitudes. All must be strenuous, urgent, ardent, inflamed desires, impassioned, unwearied insistence, delight heaven. God would have his children incorrigibly, in earnest and persistently bold in their efforts. Heaven is too busy to listen to half-hearted prayers or to, res or to respond to pop calls. Our whole being must be in our praying. As I said last time, I mentioned John Knox. Like John Knox, we must say and feel, Give me Scotland or I die. Our experience. Think about this. Prayer is costly. Costly praying. Costly praying. The wrestling, all night praying of Jacob made an era never to be forgotten in Jacob's life. It brought grace. It brought, it brought God to the rescue, changed Esau's attitude and conduct, changed Jacob's character, saved and affected his life, and entered into the habits of a nation. Our seasons of importunate prayer cut themselves like the print of a diamond into our hardest places and mark with ineffaceable traces our characters. They are the salient period, period, periods of our lives, the memorial stones which endure and to which we turn. Pray and never faint. Don't lose heart. Pray and never faint. That is the motto Christ gives us for praying. It is the test of our faith. In the severer the trial and the longer the waiting, the more glorious the results. There is not the least doubt that much of our praying fails for lack of persistency. It is without the fire and strength of perseverance. Persistence is of the essence of true praying. We must be persistent. It may not be always called into exercise, but it must be there as the reserve force. Jesus taught that perseverance is the essential element of prayer. 
Jesus taught that perseverance is the essential element of prayer. Men must be in earnest when they kneel at God's footstool. Listen to this. Too often, we get faint-hearted and quit praying at the point where we ought to begin. We let go at the very point where we should hold on strongest. Our prayers are weak because they are not impassioned by an unfailing and resistless will. God loves the importunate pleader and sends some answers that would never have been granted but for the persistency that refuses to let go until the petition craved for is granted. I want you to listen to another quote this morning, and this one's by Charles Spurgeon, and it's on the importance of our persistence in prayers also. And why are these guys so fired up about praying? The Word of God. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, and you will be able to pray richly. The Word of God and the Holy Spirit of God is a great combination to pray like a champion. Listen to Charles Spurgeon on persistence in prayer. If we would prevail, we must persist. We must continue incessantly and constantly and know no pause to our prayer till we win the mercy to the fullest possible extent. Men ought always to pray. Week by week, month by month, year by year. The conversion of that dear child is to be the father's main plea. The bringing in of that unconverted husband is to lie upon the wife's heart night and day till she gets it. She is not to take even 10 or 20 years of unsuccessful prayer as a reason why she should cease. She is to set God no times nor seasons. But so long as there is life in her, and life in the dear object of her solicitude. She is to continue still to plead with the mighty God of Jacob. The pastor. The pastor is not to seek a blessing on his people occasionally, and then in receiving a measure of it to desist from further intercession. But he is to continue vehemently without pause, without restraining his energies, to cry aloud and spare not, till the windows of heaven be opened and a blessing be given too large for him to house. But brethren, how many times we ask of God and have not because we did not wait long enough at the door. We knock a time or two at the gate of mercy and as no friendly messenger opens the door, we go our ways. Too many prayers are like boys' runaway knocks, given and then the giver is away before the door can be opened. Oh, for grace to stand foot to foot with the angel of God. And never, never relax our hold, feeling that the cause we plead is one in which we must be successful. For souls depend on it. The glory of God is connected with it. The state of our fellow men is in jeopardy. We must urge and plead again and again until we obtain the answer. Please turn in your Bibles to... Luke chapter 11. There was a couple of parables in the Bible. Luke chapter 11 and Luke 18. A couple of parables on prayer where we see Jesus teaching us about the importance of persistence in prayer.
Luke chapter 11, verse 5. And I'm reading from the New King James Version of the Bible. Luke chapter 11, verse 5. And he said to them, Which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me, the door is not shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is, in his, he, he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and he who seeks, finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. Please turn to Luke chapter 18. Another parable on the persistence of prayer. Luke chapter 18, verse 1. Jesus speaking. Then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart, saying, There was in a a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, Yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall not God avenge his own elect, who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Please turn to Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Verse 2. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it, with thanksgiving. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. To continue earnestly means to continue to persevere steadfastly in prayer. Always prayer. Being vigilant, that is keeping alert. Being watchful. The NASB says for continue earnestly, devote yourselves to prayer. And I pray that today's teaching is a motivation for us to be more devoted to God in prayer. We need motivation. We get that motivation from The scriptures, verse 3, an example of something you can pray. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in change. Prayer for preaching opportunities that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Please turn to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18.
Very briefly, I look forward to the pastor when he gets to this verse. Probably going to be a while. That's good. Ephesians six eighteen. Pray. This is right after the um, the context. This is in the context with the armor of God for spiritual protection. The battle belongs to the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Ephesians six eighteen. <coughs> Excuse me. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Praying always and praying. By the power of the Holy Spirit. That's how we can pray. We can pray Scripture. And I'm reminded of today's uh, Scripture reading, which is going to be from Psalm 86. And for convenience, I'll just grab this ESV. This handy. In Psalm chapter 86, verse 11. The Bible says, Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. Unite my heart to fear your name. O God, give me singleness of heart to fear your name. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. And last night during family worship, I read this verse and I showed my family and the kids how you can pray scripture. And when you're reading this individually, you could say, teach me your way, O Lord, and you could just change the pronoun. I said, teach, me, teach us your way, O Lord, that we may walk in your truth. Unite our hearts to fear your name. So you can pray scripture just like that. Shifting gears again. I'm, I'm available right now to, since this is a Sunday school class, I can do something a little bit different, and I can field, try to field any questions that anybody, any comments or any, any questions that somebody may have about prayer. I'd be happy to try to answer those. Yes, Rob? Yes. Rob says that uh, I'm saying this so when it's recorded you can hear it because you can't hear it out there. Um, Rob says that um, um, sometimes he confuses meditation, not confuses, but in a good way probably, intermingles prayer and meditation and sometimes you can't tell the difference. Though, is that what you're saying? They kind of overlap. Is it, they kind of overlap. When you meditate on the Word of God, when you meditate on the Word of God, it's like a cow. You chew on it and the cow has three stomachs. And he, and he chews it, goes to one stomach, and then it regurgitates, comes back up. He chews it and rechews it, swallows it, all that. I don't know how to explain that, but chewing on the Word of God. Um, so when we meditate on the Word of God, we, we feast on it and take our time with it. And the Bible also talks about meditating on the Word of God is actually talking to yourself with Scripture. And by the way, it goes back to Martin Lloyd-Jones. He said one of the problems that we have is we don't talk to ourselves correctly. We need we listen to ourselves instead of listening to the Word of God. So when you when you're meditating, when you're kind of meditating, and then you may it may not be formally praying, but in a, in a way you're having communion and precious worship time to God. 
So it doesn't really matter if that's technically called prayer or not. The fact that you're meditating on the Word of God and thinking about God, you might go back and forth in the end and say in Jesus' name and all that. The main thing is that's good. You're spending time with gods that really doesn't matter, in my, in my opinion, on that. So that's a good thing, okay? Yes? Yes, actually the most serious praying will be, will, will, could be more formal, even when you're by yourself. Um, to, to, to have no distractions and you're by yourself on your knees, for example, because that shows humility and how serious you are about praying. It's not called to be on your knees. It's just a, it just visibly shows God how desperate you are. So there's a place for formal and in, informal uh, praying. And uh, different types of praying are helpful, informal, informal. Excellent. So please be here for that. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, that chapter addresses that very strongly. Sure does. There's a lot of information on that. Looking forward to that. Mr. Camo teaching on that. Seeking the Lord in secret. Um, as, as a uh, side thought, Jonathan Edwards says that the unconverted, the unregenerate man doesn't have secret prayer. Secret prayer, passionate prayer before God, a person who's not saved, they have no interest in that. So... One of the marks of a real Christian is they have a passion. They want to go in their prayer closet and pray. It's fun taking questions. Any other questions? I would like to end in prayer with the Valley of Vision again. And you, and you may notice, I like, uh, it's the, one thing that helps prayer is to use prayer helps. Use it. You, know, you can you have the scripture, you can have the prayers from great Christians from the past to guide you. If you have a hard time focusing on prayer, your mind wanders. If you're looking right at something and your mind shouldn't wander too much, if you're looking at something and getting, getting focused, so this book has been a big um, blessing to me. And this is called, we're going to end with this, and this is the prayer of love. Gracious Heavenly Father, thy name is love, in love receive my prayer. My sins are more than the wide sea's sand. But where sin abounds, there is grace more abundant. 
Look to the cross of thy beloved Son, and view the preciousness of his atoning blood. Listen to his never-failing intercession, and whisper to my heart, Thy sins are forgiven. Be of good cheer. Lie down in peace. Grace cataracts from heaven and flows forever, and mercy never wearies in bestowing benefits. Grant me more and more to prize the privilege of prayer, to come to thee as a sin-soiled sinner, to find pardon in thee, to converse with thee, to know thee in prayer as the path in which my feet tread, the latch upon the door of my lips, the light that shines through my eyes, the music of my ears, the marrow of my understanding, the strength of my will, the power of my affection, the sweetness of my memory. May the matter of my prayer be always wise, humble, submissive, obedient, scriptural, Christ-like. Give me unwavering faith that supplications are never in vain, that if I seem not to obtain my petitions, I shall have larger, richer answers, surpassing all that I ask or think. Unsought, thou hast given me the greatest gift, the person of thy Son, and in him thou wilt give me all I need. In his matchless name I pray. Amen.